Welcome to Takeaways, Life Lessons Learned. I'm your host, Hayam Mizrahi. Join me as I explore my takeaways from the people who have influenced me the most. Let's get started. Hello, friends. Coming straight at you right now is another NAOP Southern Nevada Programs Takeaways. NAOP is the Association for the Commercial Real Estate Development Industry. The July program was an absolute doozy, mostly because of the panelists. The title of the program was The Changing Landscape, a discussion on land in Southern Nevada. We called in a NAOP heavyweight to moderate, I'm talking about Mr. Kevin Higgins, Executive Vice President with CBRE. We brought in the king of land himself, Mr. K. Rohani, and we brought in one of the smartest guys in Southern Nevada commercial real estate, Mr. Scott Goldstein, managing partner of Prospect Street. The program sponsor was Cox Business. Cox has been the sole platinum sponsor for NAP Southern Nevada for 18 years. My man Chuck Eller was live on site to give everyone some Cox Business trivia about all the services that they provide. And I can tell you, now that I know, it's more than just internet and cable. All right, here's the deal. I'm going away. Kevin, Kay, and Scott are going to come on. They told stories that morning. They razzed each other. Man, they shared a lot. Here's the audio from the July breakfast program. Uncut, uncensored. I hope you enjoy. Is this thing working yet? No? working great right. just want to make sure you can all hear me um, uh, I'll echo that uh, sentiment that I am talked about and what I've seen today and over the last uh, 30 odd years with NAOP um, it's indispensable in the commercial real estate industry in southern Nevada if you're not involved get involved in any way shape or form and I, I don't have to do this I don't have to say this but it's if you're in the business and live in the business be in the business and this is the heart of the business. It's a great place to meet people that are involved in all sorts of ways, not just brokers or land developers. It's every piece along the way that helps get it made. So, and again, anyways, excellent opportunity, I think, for anyone, young and old, to start now. So, with that. The other thing I'd like to say is, I really need that class again to work on this thing right now. <laughs> You can ask my team members. I'm not very tech savvy, so it's really hard for me to navigate these things at times. So I think that class needs to come back in one shape or form there, and uh, I'll, I'll certainly be a part of it. Part of what we're talking about today is obviously not just uh, uh, what has happened in the past, uh, what's happening right now, but some prognostication about what might be uh, from these gentlemen and a little bit myself, obviously. I thought uh, rather than just the bios that we've talked about uh, of what we've done is maybe talk a little bit first to introduce those who don't know these people up here, these gentlemen and myself, a little bit more deep uh, dive onto uh, how they got started, where they've come from. And Scott, I'll start with you if you just give a little once over on how you got here. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) sure. I'm a local Las Vegan. I, I grew up here. Um, I went to college uh, in D.C. 
And after college, I worked in New York for about 10 years. Uh, I worked for a large cap real estate private equity fund. Uh, decided I wanted more autonomy as an investor and started looking to invest independently in markets that I was more familiar with, um, Chicago, New York, Miami. And just there wasn't like enough margin of error. This was margin for safety. It was about 2016. Uh, and someone showed me a deal in Las Vegas, right, my hometown, which I didn't really know a lot about, quite honestly, if I'm being, if I'm being fair. Uh, and the, the deal jumped off the page, right? We were building to a 10. Uh, it was a ground-up development deal, a small deal. Built to a 10, I felt like we could sell in the sixes somewhere, maybe sevens in a tough market. Um, and so I realized I should take a deeper dive into the Vegas market. And you know, my perspective was, quite honestly, there was still too much PTSD from what happened during the great financial crisis. Um, there were too many local guys that you know, were, you know, could have made a you know, stronger play and institutions that had left that, that hadn't come back yet. Um, coupled with, I think a really interesting stat that I don't see a lot of people talk about is the development per capita, right? There's about $20 billion per capita at that time and still today uh, that's going on in Las Vegas. Um, and so I, I felt like it was a good time to come back home uh, and start Prospect Street. So in 2017, I started the company. Uh, we made a $3 million investment in that deal, uh, total cap, so a smaller equity investment. Uh, and then in 2019, we made a $133 million investment in uh, the Piccoli family's existing portfolio. So we grew the business at a much faster pace than I ever imagined uh, with a little bit of luck. Um, and uh, that's why we're here, and we've had a lot of fun, and the company's growing, and uh, it's been, been enjoyable getting to know guys like this, and, and uh, it's been a great market for us. Okay, I know you've got a great story of how you got to Las Vegas and uh, where, how you got involved in the land business. Uh, first of all, I hope uh, everybody can hear me. And I really like to thank all of you for even giving me a chance or invite me to be part of this, even though I've never been involved with NAOP. And when I got that call, I was really excited to be part of this. Uh, I am originally from Iran. I was six years old. Because of religion, they killed my father. So I had to leave that country probably at the age of nine or something and join my family in Pakistan. I built the steel mill of Pakistan and uh, Sheraton Hotel in Pakistan at the age of 24. And my father's wish was one day I end up in this country. So I was looking for the most beautiful but the cheapest place to <laughs> land. So I chose Stillwater, Oklahoma. <laughs> and, and I really enjoyed to be there, except I didn't even know my way. But I got to the dorm, and I was very happy to be there. And my, I was going for my master's degree, which was two years course. But I said, you know what? In order to get ahead in life, maybe I should finish this sooner. So I finished my master's degree in 11 months. My brother was a heart surgeon in Las Vegas, so I tried to join him. But the funny thing is, with all that education, when I applied for a job, anywhere I applied, they said, you're overqualified for this position. So I could not get a job with any of the good companies. I tried to go work for Cashman, which was an engineering company, for free. Hmm. I didn't see the field of respect, so at 12 noon, I asked my brother to pick me up. So I left, and with the hope, 
that I would find something to do on my own. I didn't have my green card, I was not citizen, and I was on a student visa in this country. Guess what? So I add in the newspaper, someone was looking for an individual who speaks seven, five, six languages. And I said, maybe this is a dream come true. So I bought a car for $1,000. I thought I would, my brother would buy it for me. He bought it for seven, a brand new Camaro. I drove to the address, and the minute I saw him, there was a very nice Moroccan by the name Leon Siboni of Adams Construction. The minute he saw me, he said, what brought you here? And I said, your ad. He said, how many languages do you speak? I said, five. He says, that's your desk. You can go sit there. <laughs> so I became, in one day, the chief engineer of Adams Construction. <laughs> so believe it or not, I'm like 27 or 29 years old, and I'm the chief engineer of Adams Construction, but I got a chance to build all the Savons, Volco, Albertson, everything almost in Las even Jemco's in Las Vegas. But again, honestly, I, even though that was my passion, that did not fit in with what I wanted to do as far as the money coming to my pocket. So what happened is I did one real estate deal. The first one paid $107,000. <laughs> in commission, so I said, maybe this is where I belong. <laughs> so from that day, this has become my passion. I love real estate, I live for real estate, and my kids tell me I'm crazy because I'm always, even in my dream, talk about real estate. And that's how I got involved and got in Las Vegas. That's a great story, that's I great. love that, yeah. I love that. Um, Mine was not as interesting or as uh, humbling, candidly. Uh, I got out of uh, USC uh, with a BS in business finance and, uh, and real estate, and I thought I was gonna be a doctor. Uh, and so I had too much fun in college, so I couldn't take the hard courses, you know, chemistry, <laughs> physics, etc. So I thought I'd get a job sort of uh, that I could do part-time and then go to school a little bit and get those other courses for a couple years to get into med school. Uh, and that was real estate. Um, and at that time, most of the real estate companies were resi commercial. Jack Matthews, Realty Holdings, et cetera. And uh, Cobalt Banker commercial was around then. And no one had, and I met with a lot of the people, no one had any training program. It was like, here's the telephone book. We got it if you want a job, here you go. Welcome to the team. And uh, I wasn't for that, um, and luckily, uh, CB had a, a training uh, apprenticeship program, indentured servitude at that time, I believe it was. Um, anyways, a one-year program, and I said, I'm gonna stick this out, and if I make some money, great, and we'll see how it goes. Well, I never quite have gotten to that physics class. I'm about a semester shy of my chemistry class, so probably in 2024 I can apply for med school. Uh, so so uh, the rest, like UK, was, uh, it was, hey, you know, I, I, could, I could do this. This is a great town. It's, it, it was at that time 500,000 people, maybe, uh, small town, uh, and knew a few people but didn't know what I was doing, um, but worked it 
and owned it like it was my passion. And I've done that for 30, luckily, luckily again, I, I thank everybody uh, and him up above to, for making me so lucky, maybe a little bit good uh, for the D plus student that I was. Um, and, and lucky enough to be able to let my relatives, my nephews, my daughter, my son into this business because I believe in the business. But anyways, I, that, was, that was so lucky to be here and 37 years later doing what I'm doing. That's my story. <laughs> now, you guys come from a little bit different angle here. All three of us are different. Uh, uh, Kay, your business has been land speculation, land syndication. Uh, uh, tell us about how, once you got started, that evolved and into where you are today, you know, in syndications or speculation uh, after your first initial $100,000 brokerage deal. As I said, my main goal was to be in Las Vegas and only do commercial. In fact, I worked for a big company, Southwest Construction. I did all the uh, uh, paneling or the face thing on Bally's Hotel. I did something on El Rancho Casino in the D Hotel, it was Fitzgerald. But honestly, it was really tough work and I never saw the money. I mean, it was very tough. As I said, my first investment, and today till today, I just want everyone to know this, I'm very grateful for people who showed me the direction in life. One was, uh, John Ritter of Focus Group. My first investment with him, my first deal in real estate, beside the one I mentioned, was with him. And uh, in fact, I met my best friend through that deal was Elkhorn Indicator, his name is Danny Kramer. But with John Ritter, I did a lot of deals, and my first investment was with him. I put in $4,000 in a deal with him, and it was I, the return was $11,000. For 11 nights, I couldn't sleep that how fast this money became $11,000. <laughs> so, but then I started investing slowly in small pieces of land in Las Vegas. And when I saw the direction it was taking me, I knew that's where I belong. Um, I don't want to show off. I don't think anyone, maybe Scott Gregson or you or someone, but has never bought and sold as many deals uh, of land in real estate. In fact, uh, I remember one time uh, uh, Steve Sisolak was running for governor. I said I was there to give uh, campaign money at the door. And they said, where's your check? And I said, I didn't bring one because I'm running against them. <laughs> so between you and me, I mean, land has been such a passion of mine that I've tried to take over from Apex to the north and south to, you know, south of M. And, uh, and also we have done a lot of syndication. And I don't think any one of my investors have been unhappy because they all made money. So. And I really believe that everyone in this room should pay attention to what I just have to say one thing. There is no business in this world simpler, 
easier, more money making, and more fun than real estate land because you can be at the beach, enjoying your beach, but get a call and do one real estate deal. When you come home, the money is there to pay for your trip. So <laughs> honestly, that's what I think is the greatest thing in life. Okay, you're supposed to keep that part down. Yeah. Which is <laughs> It's the hardest business in the world, people. That's right, that's right. <laughs> Scott? Now, you, you do a little bit different business side to this. Yeah. Why don't you let us know a little bit about how you work out? Yeah, ours is not as easy, apparently. We should probably just take a, <laughs> take, take a, take a page out of Kay's book. We do way too much work. Uh, yeah, look, we're, we're, we're certainly lower volume than Kay. Uh, you know, we think about sub-markets that we like, uh, deals that we like, whether it's land or existing buildings or a combination of the two build a business plan that hopefully solves for a range of different outcomes, execute on that business plan, and if we're, if we're lucky and we were right, then hopefully we create value, uh, increase the value of the existing investment. So a uh, little bit more formulaic, um, um, but that's, that's essentially how we think about the business. So I'm just a broker. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Um, uh, you guys all know what I do. It's like I, I just try to put the uh, deals together. I think uh, hopefully, like Kay, a little bit ahead of the curve about what's happening and the belief in Las Vegas and belief in real estate um, enough so that uh, you know I, I develop some on a small basis, syndicate on a small basis, and obviously brokerage is is the the, the biggest thing we do right now, um, but in all senses, it's being involved in every aspect that I can uh, and learn every aspect that I can from the ground up, working with the municipalities, working with the engineers, the architects, uh, et cetera, the, uh, and going through that whole experience so I can have at least a little bit of intelligence when I'm speaking with and to uh, other people in the business. Um, what would you say, Scott, was your most uh, momentous deal yet in Las Vegas that maybe people would have gone, what is, why is he doing that? Or, and, or didn't yeah, notice yeah. that and they go, wow, that was, that was a smart thing to do. Uh, in 2018, we bought five acres on Rainbow and Sunset right off of 215. Uh, and we bought it for like 1.1 million an acre. So I think it was the high water mark at that point or, or close to it, right? So it, it felt a little heavy. Um, and so as I was talking to different stakeholders in the market, you could, you could kind of tell they felt like I overpaid for it or perhaps there were gonna be some issues and there were other you know, folks that had owned it that were, had been in the market for a long period of time and, and didn't develop it. Um, but you know, from our perspective, and this is kind of a, a bit of our playbook, is we wanna find partners uh, as we're looking for deals that kind of also like the real estate. And so uh, we knew In-N-Out Burger wanted to be there. We knew they wanted to be in the Southwest. Um, Rainbow was appealing to them. And so we were able to sell one of those five acres uh, for, for three million acre to In-N-Out. And so all of a sudden, we own four acres next to the 215 and to In-N-Out. Uh, for for half of the, essentially half the price of what we paid, so um, but it probably looked a little silly and at, at the time because of the high watermark price and um, uh, we took some risk. Obviously, we needed in and out to, to get a deal done prior to uh, prior to us starting the development. Cool, um, Kate. What do you think is your most out of all that? I know it's very difficult for you because there's been hundreds of them, but the deal that maybe surprised everybody. Uh, that you 
acquired? You mean acquired and sold, or acquired like Either way. Either way. Uh, as I said, just because my passion is real estate land, every piece of property that I buy, I buy it for the lowest possible use and sell it for the highest possible use. And so because of that, every piece of parcel, uh, property that I buy is very dear to me because I love the fact that I bought it, so it is something that I believed in. Now, but there are some deals that it was really, it became miracles. Like I had an assemblage at the Blue Diamond and Las Vegas Boulevard across from Factory Outlet. We assembled that deal. In fact, if I'm not boring anybody, I'd like to tell you this story. This was a deal that Howard Bullock had sold uh, at one time, and there was a lady who bought it 30 acres to swap with a two and a half acre that Howard Bullock wanted to do a, the wheel across from Mandalay Bay, which never happened. Anyways, this lady was, through Rick Truesdale, set up a meeting. We met at attorney's office to see if we can sign a deal. The minute this lady shook my hand, she said, I felt the energy that I was expecting. And I didn't know what she was talking about. The thing, the meeting was going on and all, all of a sudden, uh, when they brought the document for her to look at, to sign, uh, I knew someone was helping her to give her the pen and everything. So this lady was a blind person she only asked me two questions. She said, I felt your energy. I hope you never put anything that I don't want on this property. And I told him, I'm in the business of only buying and selling land. I'm not gonna build anything on this property. And if I can control it, I make sure nobody puts whatever you want. So that was the, probably one of the best deal of my life. And I, sold it for $189 million. That was one of my biggest deals. In fact, uh, Michael Stewart, Michael Mixer beat my record for that uh, F1 that he just sold recently. Uh, otherwise, till then, that was the highest price sold. And then there was a 100-acre parcel south of M in the BLM auction. And that was probably the luckiest day of my life. I was sitting there with Bob Lewis, and uh, when Shetler and Scott Gregson, I'm sure you know, you all know them, they were sitting, and uh, when the auctioneer said, sold, and Vince said, oh, we're gonna bid on it, and I said, too late. Mm. So I bought the property for $10 million. Could it be valued today at 200 million? Yes. 300 million, could be. It is a deal that, you know the value of it more than anyone of us sitting here. So there are times in life that we also get a little more luckier on some deals than others. Like also, the, there was a deal in Cal Canyon. I really bought it, the market dropped. I just went in to negotiate the deal. In fact, Greg Corlin was with me from First American Title. I went to retrade the piece, so when the when I went inside to meet the person, the guy was on his deathbed, almost trying to, he couldn't even sign anything. 
Before he signed, I went outside and I cried and I said, I'll close this. So I closed it the next day without retrading it. But that today is the site that Costco wanted to go on Cal Canyon and Las Vegas Boulevard, and uh, 95 going towards Mount Charleston. So the thing is, the bottom line is, real estate land is like a stock market. If you can hold land, land will hold you forever. If you have a margin, you are in trouble, like, if, like in the stock market. You could lose all your thing, the same thing with land. Otherwise, that will take you wherever you want. Uh, I think for, for me, as far as the, the deals uh, over the 37 years, uh, the one that intrigued me the most and, and took the longest, candidly, was uh, putting things together in the Speedway area. Uh, started literally in the early 2000s trying to fight off the Hatfields and McCoys because city of La North Las Vegas owned properties and the county owned the other properties. And they didn't like each other and getting anything done was impossible. One had the water, one had the sewer, um, and nothing was going there. Um, uh, fast forward uh, 15 years uh, and, uh, and, a, and a new mayor uh, to that and, and a very good public-private relationship to make things happen um, with the uh, uh, understanding, in my view, that that was uh, where everyone was heading to and just needed a little help. Uh, you know, donating some land with the help of others here in this room uh, for an off-ramp of tropical to bring in water and sewer and get it all done to where you see today is the biggest boom. Uh, you got to answer that. The, the biggest boom uh, of industrial in one single place within the valley, and which is leading to the apex area here. So, not that I was involved in all of it, probably 70% of it, but that it it needed the public-private. Uh, relationship to happen. Otherwise, it wouldn't have happened with the Hatfields and McCoys just hanging out. Uh, let's sort of jump a little bit uh, to today and what you're seeing and what you're, you're feeling in the marketplace. I know that the last, shoot, 90, 100 days have been uh, most interesting. Um, and, and there are various opinions throughout our industry and beyond as to their feelings. And so, Scott, you know, from your perspective on what you do uh, in Las Vegas, where would you say things are for you in development? Yeah, look, I, I think Kate put it really well, right? As long as you're long-term in orientation, you know, I, th I think we can all still believe in Las Vegas, right? I think, you know, Las Vegas is, is the, the engine of economic activity is from the Strip. The Strip has only widened its moat as the entertainment capital of the world over the last, call it, you know, 10 to 20 plus years. Uh, and entertainment has, as a percentage of global GDP, has only continued to increase. So I think we're very well positioned long-term. So I, I definitely believe in long-term viability. But to answer your question kind of more specifically around the short to medium term, I, I, I think we should all be cautious, right? I think there's a lot of macro going on that, you know, everyone reads about, right? We're, probably in a recession today by the traditional definition of two you know, consecutive negative GDP quarters. Uh, we have rising financing costs, which are definitely going to challenge developers. Uh, we have the US consumer that continues to see rising gas prices, rising mortgage prices, et cetera, everything that you guys know. Um, and so I think 
cautions is an important kind of way to go about investing in real estate and developing in real estate right now. I think more specifically, you know, I. <laughs> I still believe in multifamily, right? I, st I still believe that you know there's a housing shortage, and as a result, rents will, worst case, perhaps flatline unless there's some kind of black swan event. Uh, I still believe in the secular, and Kevin can speak to it much more intelligently than I can. But the the, the secular trend of industrial because of e-commerce is only going to become more prominent. So, you know, I, I still believe in real estate. I still believe in developing real estate. Uh, but you know, I think we all need to be a little cautious. Okay. Well, I can never look at real estate in a negative way. I honestly don't think there is ever a drop if you know what you're doing. Like, in fact, I'll give you a very live story of it. Uh, just now, recently, I had five deals with Richmond American. They dropped. They think that, you know, they dropped the deal. They did a great deal. But they don't realize that me, I made more money by them dropping the deal because I can sell it to another builder. And uh, as far as I'm concerned, if you know how even more than your real estate, also how to deal with your builders and who the builder is. Like in Las Vegas, uh, I don't know if KB Home is here or not, but anyways, KB Home, because they are entry level or uh, what do you call it, Martin, uh, no, uh, Tom McCormick, who is building Mosaic, because of zero down, a lot of people can afford buying those homes. Because of the interest rate, the housing market will be affected for a short while. But because they cannot buy it, again, apartment has gone from million an acre to two million an acre. Industrial has gone much higher. So the market of real estate, single family, will stay probably for a little cycle. But the main thing is, uh, if you don't mind, I'd like to say this. In single family also, what people they don't realize, if today you sell a piece of property to a builder, it will be in 2025 by when they can sell homes. By the time they go to the grading permit, they start grading, then they build on it, it will be 2025. By then there could be a change in anything in life, in the cycle, and I think everybody would realize that you know the cycle is finished, and also the interest rate may drop, and things may happen again. Now, in fact, Kevin is sitting here. There is a deal. It just sold in the market on Las Vegas Boulevard for $172 million to Station Casino. So in fact, that was way below the market price. And the fact is, they will be another casino there. It's below the market price unless you're buying it. <laughs> yeah. then, then, so, then it's way over, so let's be honest. I am saying is, there are, I, there is not even good, really, many more properties left on Las Vegas Boulevard for anyone to buy. If there is, maybe there is a star on Las Vegas Boulevard that somebody owns. That's it. Uh, uh, thanks for that plug, Kate. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I'll save my things for a little later. I, you know, I, this plays into it of what you guys are saying, what's happening right now. We're hearing all sorts of negativity, uh, water shortage, uh, the economy globally, uh, nationally, et cetera. Um, it, it, we're also hearing, uh, you know, land scarcity, uh, if you will. How do you feel, Scott, about those topics that are being thrown around today 
uh, and have been for the last, you know, certainly nine, 12 months. Uh, so on land scarcity, like there's the famous Mark Twain quote, right? You should buy land, they're not making any more of it. Uh, you know, I, it's true, right? We're gonna run out of land eventually. Um, and so scarcity is going to only continue to happen. We're only going to have less and less land as we develop more. Um, I think that's, an, I'm not sure, I think it's maybe perhaps slightly overstated. I, don't, I think we still have plenty of land here in Southern Nevada. Um, there's plenty of access to land. That being said, I don't think scarcity is a bad thing, right? Uh, you know, I think there are ways to repurpose land that's already been built on, right? I mean, you, there are great case studies of where land scarcity exists, right? You can go to Manhattan, you can go to West Hollywood. There's plenty of markets where development still occurs on a regular basis, even though there's not as much land as there is in Las Vegas. So, yeah, there's no question that there's less and less land, um, but I don't, I don't necessarily believe that to be uh, an issue for our business. I think, if anything, it might even be a, a benefit to our business as we adapt. Um, um, you want to talk about what? I cover water too, if you want. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, there's a there's a, a really good book by a guy named Baklab Smil, um, uh, how the world really works, and he talks about the environment and how, at the end of the day, we're near-term creatures, right? Like we we think about uh, what we need in the near term in order to live, in order to, to work. Uh, and he talks a lot about fossil fuel and the, the need for that, and billions of people need that in order to run their lives. Uh, I think water is the same issue. We're going to continue to use water because we need to in order to, to have a daily you know, life as we exist today and have a higher quality of life. Um, I, you know, my, my belief is, yes, we have a water issue. We have a water shortage in the near to medium term. But I also believe, I think COVID taught us, like, in times of crises, which may happen at some point in time, uh, we're very adaptable, and we'll put those resources into play that will ultimately solve for that issue. And again, we have a playbook, right? I mean, Israel's a good example. You have drip irrigation, you have desalinization, you have harsher government regulation. I mean, there are ways to solve for those problems. So I don't necessarily, it might be a short-term crisis, but I see it as a fixable crisis um, when, when that time comes, so. Okay, um, thoughts on that? Water shortage, uh, shortage of uh, land uh, in Southern Nevada? Yeah. Uh, one of the main reasons that real estate is done very well in Las Vegas, because Las Vegas is surrounded by mountains and only there is so much land that you can buy. And I hate to bring this up. In fact, I wish BLM, first of all BLM, I don't even know when you go there how many people are working there. They are not honestly auctioning enough properties. Aviation auction, finally, thanks to Commissioner Justin Jones, and he made them auction. I mean, he talked to them, and they're auctioning properties. In fact, Larry and I, we bought three parcels. In this, they say market is down, but the Pulte home bought a lot of properties. Right. So based on that fact, as I said, you can't just be negative. I've, since I've been here from since 45 years ago, they say, water shortage, water this, 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 and that. But again, life is going on. If anything, they should sit down and pray so that it rains more and we get more water. That's what it is. Or maybe we should have the builders honestly do a better job on their plumbing because honestly, most of the houses today, you have to go brush your teeth, wait on the uh, scale to check your weight before you enter and you have to turn your shower on because it takes probably five minutes before your water gets warm. All that waste of water. Right. They are shortening the swimming pool size, those kind of things. Honestly, it will help. But 
to be in a position that we cannot build, I, I disagree with. And uh, uh, as I said, the main thing is BLM. They should really release more land because there is not enough land for anything. No industrial, no building, no apartments, nothing. I'd certainly echo that, right? I, th I think, uh, someone could correct me, I think 87% of the land in Nevada is actually BLM controlled, right? So there's no question that's an issue. So I don't like getting on the scale every morning. <laughs> um, uh, um, but my thoughts are, I don't believe there's a land scarcity. I believe there's a scarcity of usable land, meaning with infrastructure, as I pointed out. Speedway could have sat there forever if someone didn't bring the Hatfields and McCoys together and, and make something happen. Uh, Apex, uh, Southern Nevada Water Authority and City of Las Vegas, and all the people who make up, the municipalities that make up SNWA, saw that Apex area was the future of the industrial market on a large scale. Zoned, it was there, the infrastructure with the 15 and 93 was there, but it needs water and sewer, right? And so that's in play. They're putting in $250 million towards that, uh, and it's happening right now. And that's what you're seeing with some projects that are already happening, 300-acre Van Trust project, 150 Prologis project, et cetera, all throughout uh, Miner's Mesa, et cetera, off of Las Vegas Boulevard and, and the 15. Further out uh, than the Speedway. That, that a literally 18 months ago, you couldn't give that land away for $3 a foot. Today, last deal, $20 plus a foot. So to your point, it's all about, uh, it isn't about scarcity, it's about putting it to work. And you can put it to work with the infrastructure. I do believe there's enough within the valley structure also that is currently in the hands of the BLM uh, from a residential standpoint in various areas, which we can talk about, um, that you know, we don't need to rush to open up, this is my opinion only, not CBREs, to rush to open up you know, thousands of acres uh, uh, south today uh, uh, because people are screaming we are scarcity of land. Um, from, the, from the standpoint of who's gonna put in the infrastructure for all that? What new, literal new facility are you going to need to build and what cost to make that viable to open up all that area? Eventually, yes, but today, no. Uh, and for the foreseeable future, I think you're fine. It's just a matter of working through the infrastructure. Um, I think that in today's world, uh, with what's going on in the market, uh, it's very interesting. Um, I'm not sure if it's 2008 uh, all over again, but there's certainly a, uh, I was at a meeting yesterday, what people call pencils down. Uh, all the developers and investors are, uh, and from an industrial standpoint, are pencils down, meaning they're pausing to try to figure out what's going on in the world today with interest rates, with inflation, et cetera. Uh, housing, to your point, uh, Kay, uh, you know, you do that 450,000 entry level house and it's uh, at 3%, it was $1,892. At 5%, it became $721 more a month. You put that on, that's a nine, roughly $9,000. That means someone's got to make about 12 grand or another $1,000 a month to just afford that house. And by the way, that was 5%. We're gonna go up three quarters of a point here next week. Uh, so those dynamics are happening live, global things going on, et cetera. So certainly we're in for a little bit of you know, interesting time, times here. 
Uh, I think that with an industrial market at an anemic less than 1%, which is the lowest it's ever been, ever, uh, in big box, it's less than half of that, uh, where you know, the traditional big box for 35 years had been, you build it, 12 months of downtime in there, built in there, et cetera, no problem, here it is, you're happy as a clam. We've gotten used to the last couple of years of literally, and we're doing it right now, uh, leasing on paper, meaning nothing's happened. You've got a piece of paper, just the land's out there, uh, and uh, you'll see a building in 12 to 15 months, and we're leasing on paper. We've probably got a, 30, a third of all the development up in North Las Vegas already pre-leased for next year uh, because there's no product and you'll see an, a less amount of absorption in this whole year than we did last year because there's no product to absorb right now at that. Um, and is that hurting us? Yes, it's hurting us. Uh, people are going to other markets because they need something and need to know when it's there within six to 12 months. Um, but developers require, require pre-leasing because of what their banks are giving or no. feedback? Not yet. No, not yet. I, I, think, I, I think it's just become a everywhere you look in california arizona etc it's it's happening like that and we've got an anemic uh, vacancy so we're not alone in that uh as, as far as that lack of product it's just become used to it um even if we don't build a third of what we've got on the books or it gets pushed back to 24 and 25 and even if uh we don't lease a thing from now on in the next 12 but 15 months so we're at four, five percent vacancy. Sure. In 37 years, that used to be a really good dynamic market. Uh, and uh, we wouldn't lose out on some of these deals we are losing out on to the likes of Arizona, et cetera. So I think it's a little bit of a tale of two cities there. I mean, if, it, if we were at 10 percent, I think I'd be panicking, going, okay, we're on our way to 15 maybe if things don't happen or whatever. But it's a reality check. Um, and then cap rates, you know, we got down to the threes. Uh, well, they were four and a half to maybe 5% just three years ago. Yeah. Uh, so, so again, we've, we've, it's funny what we get used to very quickly here and believe uh, as the norm. Um, and I, I think that dynamic, as long as you put it in your head and understand this is gonna be coming back to some basics, that'll happen. Um, I do think there is, again, a lot of pencils down. There's a lot of retrading going on right now. Uh, just talking to uh, uh, my colleague here this morning. Uh, they closed yesterday on the land that they were in for $38 a square foot, Lamb and Cheyenne area, 31 bucks a square foot. That's an 18.5% decrease. Reduction in the price, retrade. And don't you think that's reflected because it used to be a three and a half cap that you could underwrite oh, to and now you're at a four and a half it cap? So we're kind of out of equilibrium and yes, you, so you, pricing has to well, potentially not only, come down. Not only that is, is you had, you know, I always say we had five developers five years ago who were developing. Then it became, you know, 10, which three were national, three were regional, three were local roughly. And then it became 30 yeah. and 40. And people just, you know, Las Vegas, especially with the downtime and the uh, COVID, you know, retail was a bad word, office was a bad word, so I'm putting my money to work and it was industrial. Sure. So everyone poured in who maybe weren't all experienced in that and they were just buying land and it was getting bid up. Great for those who want it. Um, I, I would say I think we've seen the high watermark for a while in industrial in the, in the North Las Vegas area. Um, 
And uh, I think we've also seen some retrading of properties, investment properties right now uh, for a close because of that cap rate issue, because of the lack of debt or lower debt, loan to uh, value ratio, et cetera. And the unknown of being able to, and the debt guys can tell me, lock in and feel comfortable with what they're gonna lock in at. The bigger thing at the end of the day, which I took away from yesterday's meeting we had, was that the unknown is what they can sell it for down the road, which plays the reverse engineering of all the way where they can buy it for today. So that's a big unknown. But I still believe we have a healthy market. We are growing like we've never seen before. We're seeing companies like we've never seen before. And to your point, long term, I believe there will still be, continue to be this mass exodus out of uh, California, Oregon, Washington, and I think Southern Nevada is their a primary state. Arizona's certainly right there, but a primary state to have that happen so they can deliver back into that area, to your point. Um, I don't think that will stop yeah. at all. I, I agree, I, and I don't see an 08 situation either. I, uh, I, I proceed with caution, but that doesn't mean there's going to be some kind of uh, terrible event that occurs. I, I think you put it really well, Kevin. I think there's just uncertainty in the market, right? So it's hard to underwrite something. It's hard to say, let's go spend a significant amount of money just because we're not really sure what kind of footing we're on. I think once uh, the market hopefully gets a little bit, you're never going to be in solid ground, but a little bit more solid ground, I, I do believe that the market picks back up. Um, not that it's struggling. I mean, as, as a recent sale that you were you know, involved in yesterday shows. We, we, right? we, all, we all live in different times. And again, I think also to Kay's point, we're seeing these different buyers that we never saw before. Yeah. Uh, stadiums, uh, casinos, medical, etc., uh, that aren't afraid to put down of, of significant sizes, significant amounts of money, uh, because they also, uh, as we've all said, said and heard for I've 37 years, you longer, etc. Location, 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 right? So I see we're running over, um, and I want to open it up uh, to any questions that might be out there. If anyone has any questions, please find me. I'll be here. Um, today we've learned that Scott reads brainy books on water and Kay sits on the beach looking at the ocean. Mm. Which one of us is doing it wrong? Yeah. As uh, Kay's been called the Houdini of land, as Kevin Higgins knows, really no one's worked harder in the last 40 years doing land deals than Kay. He's ahead of everyone. He's 25 hours a day on the phone. Um, we have a question for Scott. You mentioned earlier develop development per capita. Sure. Um, could you ex kind of just dig a little deeper into that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think it's a really important stat that, that I haven't seen a lot of people talk about. Right, right now, we have a pipeline of, call it $20 billion, right? Uh, let's just go back to 2017. So you had Resorts World that was going to spend four, that has spent $4 billion. You have, you know, what T-Mobile was, was built for, et cetera. And it's about a $20 billion pipeline of development that will occur. We have, you know, call it 2.7 million people that live here. So that ratio, development dollars spent per capita, is higher than any other city in the world, perhaps outside of like a New York City during Hudson Yards development. So I think that's a pretty unique way to think about it because that drives economic growth, right? Development drives economic growth. Uh, and so I think it's an important stat. And as a, we are, you know, if we're going to qualify as a second tier market, there's no second tier market that's even close to that. And I think that's what makes Las Vegas special. So you like that number a lot and the direction it's going? Yeah, I think it's very compelling. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Kevin, there was a question, Higgins, about, it's an, it was an apex question. So some of the $20 land obviously has water to it. 
some of that $3 land probably doesn't have water to it. Is there going to be, what's the gap going to look like between the delivery of water and apex and timing of the existing lands being sold out? Yeah, the $3 land was, was uh, you know, uh, yesterday's prices a year and a half ago that no one was believing Apex, uh, the Van Trust property, uh, 300 acres, uh, which they had to put a lot of infrastructure in. Uh, the latest at the 20-ish is going to be rough graded, and the infrastructure is not there, but it'll be the first to get it uh, at Las Vegas Boulevard and the 15. There are no $3 deals anymore. You're lucky if you get a single-digit single deal within the Apex area. And again, when most people think of Apex, they think of the Love truck stop at 15 and 95, right? So out in that area, you cannot find, uh, you're very lucky if you find something that's uh, high single digits. And by the way, there's nothing on the market yet today, maybe tomorrow, um, for that. And that's just because, again, the scarcity, everything's moving up that way and happening right now. But the days of the, the, the low single digits are gone. When you mentioned earlier about the retrading at the $38 a foot, was that an example that those sellers probably would have taken 25 anyhow? I mean, was their, their basis good and just the market got them to 38 so they were happy to, not happy to retrade, but okay with it? No, I, I don't think they were going to hit 25, but uh, they held on to it for long enough and they were time that they were at the altar to sell it. Um, I think they were rational enough to know that did they want to start the process all over again? How deep was that buyer's pool? And where would they end up anyways? And, and it might be a little less today, in, in 90 days when someone might close on it. The three of you can kind of finish for the next couple minutes. Let's talk about the South Strip. We kind of talked over it, but you both have vested sales in there, a vested project. It's been, you know, South Las Vegas Boulevard has been kind of, you know, stagnant. The South Point was 20 years ago um, for a number of reasons. So maybe, Scott, if you start with the project you're involved with, the Blue Diamond, sure. and then you three can just kind of talk around that, you know, basically cactus to Warm Springs section of the valley that everyone's probably pretty familiar with. So, sure. Uh, I, Kate, did you own the land at one point that I bought? Yes. Okay. That's okh no, no, no. It's kind of like uh, he bought uh, it on the beach no. while it's he kind was of like, uh, drinking. No, it's got, not the one you bought. Next one. Just the one. Kay's like uh, Kevin Bacon, six degrees. Yeah, <laughs> at some point. Uh, so uh, Prospect Street bought 66 acres on Las Vegas Boulevard and Blue Diamond. Um, you know, it's a piece that we looked at in in 2018 actually when uh, it was for sale. Uh, and I always remember we spent a lot of time on it. And Ernie Lee called me. And said, Scott, I know you spent, he's a friend of mine. I know you spent a lot of time on this. I'm really sorry. Uh, I'm going to buy it tomorrow. I'm just going to buy it into contract. Next day, I'll buy it. And I said, I can't do that. You know, good luck. Uh, I think you're buying it for too much. He bought it for $60 million. We bought it four years later for $100 million. So he was right and I was wrong. Uh, so, uh, but no, we're excited about it. Um, we uh, have, I'll call it a partnership uh, with Oakview Group, which is the uh, run by a guy named Tim Lewicki. Uh, who is the number one stadium you know, arena developer in the world. Uh, he built Staples, now Crypto Center. He built T-Mobile when he was the CEO of AEG. Uh, he left that firm and now owns a company called uh, Oakview Group. Uh, he hired Mark Bedane, uh, who is the former president of the Raiders, to run Oakview Las Vegas, and they're building uh, what they believe will be um, an extraordinarily high-quality arena uh, 
uh, that will have the ability to um, you know, serve an NBA team potentially, uh, serve high quality concerts, and then also a hotel and casino um, uh, where they hired the former president of Bellagio to, to run that casino. So it's a very exciting project. I think South Las Vegas Boulevard, south of the Strip, is, is going to be uh, a much different place in, in five to 10 years between Brightline West and, and the Oakview project. Um, and uh, you know, obviously the station's project as well, which is really exciting uh, for everyone. So. Uh, you know, I, I believe in that market very much so. Perhaps uh, my highest conviction sub-market for sure. Um, you know, the South Strip is, is, is sat a little uh, dormant for a couple of years, certainly. Um, I remember 15, 20 years ago, whenever it was, when I sold uh, uh, Michael Gaughan, which is the, now the uh, South Point project. Uh, as, as I told him then, I said, you know, maybe there's nothing here today, but you got to look out in three, five, seven years, you're going to be in the heart of things. Um, I think it just, we put it on pause. There was so much activity further up the street uh, that people are finally realizing that you're still in the center of town. There's so many things happening uh, and dynamic in that whole area. Uh, and now with the addition of the 172 acres of, of uh, Station Casino's um, additional uh, acquisition uh, Monday, I think that only uh, heightens the interest in that area for properties such as K-Hats uh, and, and others. Uh, I think it just, again, creates a new, a new norm down there. Okay, anything? I'd When I came in Las Vegas and I joined hand with Larry Kenruddy of American West Home and I was assembling properties for them, I, for some reason, he said, you know, that's a golden triangle. And I said, I didn't know that. He said, well, we don't belong in golden triangle. Let's go do everything else. So I'm, I don't have my uh, teleprompter so I can go through them to the list and tell you guys. But anyways, uh, I started thinking the best way to deal with real estate land is to own the north, own the south, east and the west. Now, and guess what? And guess what? We have 1,000 acres in Apex. We have almost like 250 acres in the south. And this part of it is on Las Vegas Boulevard. I'd like to uh, let everybody know. I was in American West Larry Kenrady's office. We had sold a piece in Golden Triangle, which we bought from BLM. And uh, we doubled our money. We didn't know what to do with the money. So I was sitting in his office. He says, Kay, D.R. Horton is selling this property. What do you want to do? I said, in fact, Bill Lenhart was the broker on that deal. And uh, we were supposed either to close it in five days or get out of the deal. So Larry asked me one question. He says, Kay, what do you think? I said, Larry, this has been a bad luck for you because you and Gary Goethe own this property. You guys lost money. You sold it to Dior Horton for five, uh, 500 an acre, and you expect me to buy it at 700 an acre. I said, let's think about it. So we sat down like for just almost like 15 minutes. 
And uh, Larry said, the 15 minutes is up. And I said, okay, this is my thought. We have owned Windmill and Las Vegas Boulevard. We have owned Pebble and Las Vegas Boulevard. We own Silverado and Las Vegas Boulevard. We own Cactus and Las Vegas Boulevard. The only thing, if you want to be a star in Las Vegas Boulevard, we should own the star. So this was 63 acres in, on star in Las Vegas Boulevard. We bought it from Bill Lenhardt. And uh, honestly, I think that is, I hope you agree with, that's the last best piece of property beside what the Station Casino recently purchased. So, uh, and in the south, we carried it behind, uh, below South Point all the way to the new uh, road that's coming in. So, and everything has been in a, a great price and everything else. Like uh, also, Scott, what you said, I didn't own that property. My assemblage was 110 acres right, north, north of that sure, property. Sure, the one you bought yeah, was sure. Fred, from Fred Nassiri. Sure, sure. Yeah. The one that I owned, we were going to build with uh, Harrison Ford, George Clooney, and Brad Pitt. They were in my office. I, that was the best, uh, probably one of the best days of my life. My kids, my kids were young and they were telling me, don't forget to, to get the autograph. <laughs> and honestly, that was a piece of property that even my son never wanted me to sell until this day. I could go buy it for what I sold it like 10 years ago. So that is not going up in value. But otherwise, everything else is in a perfect condition. I'd like to thank both, all three of you. It's been a wonderful panel, our, our record crowd here today. Uh, Kevin, wrap us up and uh, thank you. No, I, I again appreciate it. Thank you very much. If there's anything, uh, you, someone's got a question, feel free to come and ask the panel here afterwards. Thank you. Thank you for listening. I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. Takeaways podcast is about sharing and paying it forward. If you like this show, please make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast and leave us a review. It really goes a long way. And if you really like the show, please share takeaways with a friend. Thank you and tune in next time.